With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Tonight's episode of The Kickoff is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at getgrammarly.com backslash W2M Network. That was a much better way to open things. Thanks for cutting off my intro, jackass. Well, that's pretty much more par for the course around here. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening. And welcome to the kickoff, year-end awards, part two. Shifty eyes on an audio podcast. I'm your host. My name is Terry Broadhurst. And for those of you who tried to listen to the first edition of this, we sincerely apologize. It's all Eric's fault. Totally, 100%. No doubt about it. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the Down Since Day One co-host, the executive producer, the anchorman. Jesus Christ, how many nicknames do you have, Eric Watkins? I mean, you've got those, you're missing hair, (laughs) you're missing fro, you still refuse to call me the philosophical hammer, which is my favorite one. Uh, There's about seven or eight others. I mean, if we're really going down that road. So, let's... Hey, Eric. What do you say say when you meet a nice man? What? Are you my daddy? Oh, please. The fact is that I've gone almost 35 years without having to end up on Maury for a reason, all right? That's because I keep declining the invites. Damn. The other voice you just heard sending us off the rails immediately... Is the unprofessional Jason Teasley? Of course, I'm here. Uh, still no internet, and still in the middle of snowpocalypse. It's honestly not as bad as it's been though over here in the midwestern United States. No, nah, I mean it's warming up here. I think it's going to hit like 47 today and 52 tomorrow. So I just okay. hope I get my internet back, so I, I don't have to be recording shows in the comfort of. My wife's Jeep. In a parking lot somewhere in Buttfuck. I'm in Western. a church parking lot tonight. Well, today, whenever. <laughs> I'm in, so I'm going to hell after this conversation. I might, there may be lightning that strikes the Jeep as we record. Praise Jesus. <laughs> and the Back newest. Like a hang home. And the newest member of the kickoff team, she is Kennedy Eddings. Hey, guys. I'm just happy to enjoy my 75-degree uh, weather while we're doing this. Uh, yeah, you can eat my ass. 
<laughs> See, he actually put it diplomatically. My my two word response was going to be "blow me." Fair enough. See, <laughs> I, I mean, again, if we Fair can put out. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> We're already going off the rails. Wasn't going to even let him get that conversation started. All right, so. I'm, I'm nipping that one in the butt. Giggity. All right. Um, in addition to Get Grammarly, today's episode is also brought to you by GetAmazonMusic.com backslash W2M Network. You can now listen to the kickoff and all your other favorite W2M Network podcasts on any Alexa-enabled device by searching for W2M Network or by going to getamazonmusic.com backslash W2M network. Eric, make sure you timestamp that so Sean don't bitch at us. Yes, I've already got those things on the notepad. Don't worry. No, I'm not doing too bad with these ad reads today. Hopefully I can actually transition the one the way that I intended. Like I... Uh, la, 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 la. See, this is what happens hey, when I... This is why you need that. Grammarly. So you can know what the fuck you're going to say as we record podcasts. Exactly. You can correct the errors before they come out of your mouth. And you can add them to your extension on your on your Google or Firefox browser. And you know exactly the words you need to say before you say them. And how they're going to sound to boot. This riff brought to you by Black Irish, available here on the W2M Network. Bite He's me. Black Irish. All right, so the way we're going to open the show is usually when we have shows like this, we traditionally open with the news desk, and then we get into the meat of the matter. However, given the fact that this is the year-end wrap-up show, we are going to instead open with the year-end awards by looking back on our predictions in the preseason, mid-season, and then stating whether or not we agree with who the NFL honors gave the awards to the day before the Super Bowl. Uh, Jason, do you have your midseason ones pulled up? All but one, all but one team, because um, I didn't have my notebook, and when I took the picture, it cut out one team of Eric's um, playoffs. But I'm pretty sure that we can figure out who it is. Outside of that, yeah, I'm good. All right, uh, Eric, do you have the NFL honors list up? Indeed, I do. All right, then let's get to it. We open with Rookie of the Year, and this is going to be kind of a tricky one because we kind of combined the two rookie positions into one Rookie of the Year award in the preseason. Usually, the NFL Honors does an offensive and defensive Rookie of the Year. However, we here at the kickoff did not feel the need to separate. Therefore, we only chose one. In our preseason picks, I chose... Chase Young from the Washington football team. I almost called him the redacted out of the course of habit. And both Eric and Jason took Clyde Hilaire of the Kansas City Chiefs. Jason, what did the midseason award say for the rookie of the year? Uh, rookie of the year midseason. Um, you went with Joe Burrow. Uh, you, you went on a big rant about how Cincinnati was – so great and uh, doing well under Burrow. Me and Eric actually agreed, and we both took Justin Herbert. The 2020 NFL Honors Rookie of the Year, Eric. For the Pepsi Next Rookie of the Year and Offensive Rookie of the Year, 
Indeed, Justin Herbert, quarterback of the Chargers. Defensive rookie of the year was? Chase Young of the Washington football team. Or as we dubbed them on this show, the Washington Redacteds. All right, so we kind of talked about this before, but we're going to have to bring the conversation back full circle here. Um, Ms. Kennedy, I'll start with you. Do you agree with Justin Herbert as the Rookie of the Year from NFL Honors, or is there somebody else that you felt deserved that honor a little bit more than Herbert did? Because I honestly think that there was a different Justin that kind of got shafted in this award. Uh, I 100% agree. I think Justin Jefferson uh, should have got it. It's okay to be wrong. Yeah, you would know. <laughs> At least I've won a Super Bowl. <laughs> At least I went four years in a row. Lost, so but we went. <laughs> <laughs> I was the first loser four years in a row. Exactly. Ooh. There you go. Jason, would you like to defend your pick for Justin Herbert? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think Herbert had a bigger impact for the duration of the season. Uh, I don't take anything away from Jefferson. I think Jefferson's uh, going to be an elite player at that next level. Uh He's just got to get one a quarterback that can actually get him the ball on a consistent and where That's they fair. can manage the games. Uh, and not have, uh, as long as they're in prime time, they're, you know, a little bit more um, amped to win. But I, I really think that uh, if Burrow wouldn't have got hurt, I think he would have been in the conversation. But Herbert was just more consistent. Yes, he started the season. Uh, he started his rookie season under nefarious circumstances. Uh, <laughs> to put it my- the starting quarterback uh, by the team doctor. Uh, but I, I think he took made the most of the opportunity and ran with it. Eric, I believe the way that we phrased it when the, origin- the story originally broke is that the team doctor for the Chargers had Justin Herbert on his fantasy team. Exactly. I mean, you can only get a guy like Justin Herbert but so early in your rookie drafts, and you never know. He might have been in a cash league. It may have been competitive. So he may have just had to do what he had to do in that aspect. 88 but- catches... Real quick here, 88 catches for 1,400 yards on the dot, seven touchdowns with a long reception of 71 yards and 58 first downs receiving for Justin Jefferson. I stated this originally, and I'm going to bring it back here because obviously that show is lost to the Netherlands. Not specifically the Netherlands. I mean, if Amsterdam wants to think that they can listen to it, then by all means, who am I to deny the red light district? But look, all they need to do, give me a trip to the red light district. Give me a couple of space cakes. You can have it. That's all. My asking price is uh, very low. What I was going to say was, is you could make the argument that Jefferson's influence on Minnesota was far greater than Herbert's on the Chargers because if let's say Tyrod Taylor doesn't get hurt, I don't know that Justin Herbert plays this year. One of the okay. things that be, one of the things that being a Bills fan I can tell you is that Tyrod Taylor is a perfectly capable game manager and somebody that Herbert could have learned under. 
Whereas Justin Jefferson completely and entirely, in my opinion, eased the blow of losing Stephon Diggs in Minnesota, giving Adam Thielen a wide receiver combination that took a lot of the pressure off of what we presume to be stronger coverage on Thielen without Diggs to bail him out. Uh, ahead, we're just, are we just going to ignore the fact that, you know, you also have Dalvin Cook in the backfield to take through the pressure off the passing game? You can only rely on him so much. All all the Vikings did is rely on him. You need to take pressure off him as well. They're going to wear him down so much. Better better running game, the Chargers or Minnesota? The Vikings easily. And, I mean, I I think about it like this. Hold on. Hold on. Better receiving court, Chargers or Minnesota? Minnesota thanks to Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Okay, so name 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 the wide receiver one for the Chargers, without looking. I don't know that I can. Exactly. So isn't it Mike Williams? Williams? I I actually I think it was yes I actually think it was Mike Williams or it might hell it might have been Hunter Henry, uh, but so you can't even name the starter, the the top receiver for the Chargers, yet. Herbert produced. You I'm have not... you, you have a, an elite running back and a great uh, a, a receiver opposite of Jefferson to help him get the those numbers. But there's nothing so, saying that Tyrod Taylor wouldn't have produced just the same. Justin Jefferson, I'm going to say, did it on his own accord. He had Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson didn't start until his third week, and then he his he was averaging ninth in the league per catch. He did that, and I get he has coaches, Herbert. but he did that on his own accord. Herbert, right. Herbert started also, second week two. Th- this is also going to bring up my point as far as why I personally thought Justin Jefferson should have been it. Out of nowhere, not only are you making Kirk Cousins look good, but even as a rookie, you're setting good. all kinds of rookie records for receiving yards, and you are constantly throughout the course of the season top five in receiving yards in the league. That's something that just doesn't happen. Did Herbert produce? Yes. Would Tyrod Taylor have produced at least similar numbers? I think so. And then Tyrod Taylor, who knows? A couple different things go the right way, and it would be just like Buffalo. Get him to the playoffs, and then the Interceptacon comes in, and you lose 10-3. to But we're not talking about that right now. What we are talking about... Jefferson went ahead, handled his business, and elevated the team by himself, whereas with Herbert, you took what would have been an underperforming middling franchise, and all he did was just give them hope. So, so where do you think Justin Herbert finished ranking yards per game and quarterbacks? I'm going to say eighth. You're muted, Kennedy. Sorry. I'm, it's okay. I don't know. I didn't pay attention enough to, to him. I'm not even going to lie. Just, just where do you think he, you know, out of all these elite quarterbacks, and, you know, you guys tossing on why he shouldn't won rookie of the year, where do you think he would have ranked? You said passing yards, yeah? Passing yards yards per game. Yards per game, sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll go, like, fourth. Because I know he was he was second in passing yards like overall for 
rookie like for rookies. So he had to do something. Yeah, uh, he finished fourth in the league. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, without a true wide receiver one, I mean, Brady was third. Hell, uh, Deshaun Watson was second. Yeah, well, in fairness, so he finished. He finished. He finished above your golden boy. In fairness, Watson was having to pass for his life because Houston was getting their ass kicked most of the season. We won't. We won't talk about the uh, who finished first because he's a fucking cocksucker, and I will never give Robert Taylor fucking satisfaction. Hashtag Mahomes time. What now? Yeah, Mahomes was first. Out, Josh Allen, the golden boy of you and Kennedy. Yeah, finished behind Herbert. Okay, that's fine. How many games did the Chargers win this year? Yeah, the Herbert's team ended behind the Bills, so I'm not mad about it. <laughs> yeah, and how did a Danny lose this is the individual award this season? Oh, by the way, Wait, hold on, hold on. How? Why does it? You're so you're saying a team's. A team's performance should impact individual awards. I think it does, and if you don't think it does, then you're crazy. You know how many touchdowns Herbert had this year? Herbert had touchdowns? Let's see here. I've got it pulled up here. Do you know his touchdown-to-interception ratio? Uh, I'd imagine Kennedy knows if she's asking. Herbert is 1.7. I'm, I was just going to do a comparison to Josh Allen. If that's where you're going with it, you can't bring him up and then try to shit on him and then expect no, me to I'm, I'm, No, I'm just saying. I mean, I, I'm a, I love Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think when this is going to be a discussion later. But, I mean, I'm just in comparison. You know, Allen had – I mean, Diggs going to Buffalo was – I haven't sent for Allen. I think they have. I think they're one of the top receiver uh, QB combos in the league right now. But I'm just saying, Herbert had no true one wide receiver one, and he finished fourth per game overall. So I think that you know him getting rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, is justified. I will say this much for Justin Herbert. Herbert does go from an offense that was used to throwing the ball a lot at Oregon to an offense that had to throw the ball a lot in the Chargers. I think that worked to his benefit. Justin Jefferson was kind of a secondary option at LSU last year behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But I do think that we can all agree is that Jefferson definitely outperformed his LSU teammate in their rookie season. Yeah, and if you guys goes back to the draft uh, thing we said, I I said Herbert was the best quarterback in this draft class, and Dallas should have got him so they could get away from Dak. Well, I don't think anybody in Dallas foresaw Prescott breaking his ankle in like week four. Well, I would if he would have sat behind Dak this year and then came in into that offense, Dallas would be a Super Bowl contender for many years. But all right, let's move forward. Let's move forward. All right. Um, so this one's kind of this one's kind of loaded. So let's get this out of the way. Comeback Player of the Year. 
preseason, we all agreed that if Alex Smith played, it would be Alex Smith, but we weren't so sure that Alex Smith was going to play. Myself and Jason chose A.J. Green. Eric took Ben Roethlisberger. Jason, the midseason update? Uh, It was my return to the kickoff that week. No, we all said Alex Smith. But it really was my return for the kickoff that week. It was. He he stepped away for like three weeks. Um, Eric, the 2020 NFL Honors Comeback Player of the Year was? Alex Smith. Quarterback yeah, they may as well just in our hearts, the redacted. <laughs> yeah, they may as well just rename the trophy the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year Award. Like, don't get me wrong. Um... Alex definitely benefited from the fact that Dwayne Haskins self-imploded in Washington this year, and we'll see what happens with him now that he's going to Pittsburgh, having signed a free agent deal with the Steelers. But regardless of Haskins' implosion, Alex Smith's performance on the field merited this award in and of itself, let alone what he came back from Kennedy. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't – I would have – Never picked anybody else watching him through the season. He went through 17 surgeries and then came back and did what he did. I mean, obviously, there wasn't much uh, competition in the East for him this year. But that being said, he went out there and did what he needed to do after going through what he went through. So, Eric. I mean, was it taking out? How he performed for Washington this season, taking out Washington combined with their performance and some, some would say fortuitous, others would say stupid decisions that helped propel Washington to the playoffs. Be real, without him, that team doesn't even get close to seven and nine. Plus, even with the conditions that he played under and even getting injured again during the season, having to come back from that on top of his comeback just to get back onto the field to begin with, it was Alex Smith going away. Now, granted, if they were to donate what that piece of art that they turned the brace into the Super Bowl trophy and have that as a little bit of an extra thing, I would be all for it. Jason, your dismay over the way that the season ended in Week 17 aside here, you can't deny the absolute incredible story that was Alex Smith this season. Oh no, I won't take. I won't hold that against Alex Smith. I mean, you know, that's fuck Philadelphia and uh, Peterson because they're fucking a bunch of cocksucking assholes. That I hope they get ass ass raped by a gorilla with gorilla glue on his cock to get stuck up their ass. <laughs> I think you has make chlamydia. Who who's a girl also has chlamydia? All right, this tell isn't... us how you really feel, Jason. <laughs> well, at least fact, we won't have this... to worry about Gorilla Glue sponsoring the podcast anytime soon. We can cross that one off. And I just realized I can't read my own fucking handwriting. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's the thing. I don't blame Alex Smith for how the how Week Seventeen went. But Philadelphia, your city's trash hole. 
You threw snowballs at Santa Claus. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> 50 plus years later, and they will still never live that down. And honestly, rightfully so. But then again, I don't know. O.J. Simpson in Philadelphia, it wouldn't have panned out nearly as well. He would have killed it there. I just want to say, I told my grandma about our podcast, and now I'm just going to have to tell her not, because of Jason. Thanks. Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> she be. normally can't eat. I'm that, the right? guy that people have to apologize for on the podcast. Oh, so this you, is an improvement. You t- I told Give her you I was time, like, it Mary. wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, you should you shouldn't let Harry like tee me up and you know that's like a bad breakup, but like, you know he he struck a nerve. I mean, you know, it hurt me. I'll show you on the doll where it hurts me. <laughs> Your team's performance here hurt me, so all I wanna say is uh to that you guys laughed at me when I said the Giants was going to win the division. And Harry goes on this rant where they're last in the division and everything. It took Philadelphia cheating and ruining the integrity of the NFL for the Giants not to win the division. How dare you sully the name of the great Nate Sudfeld? I mean... I mean, if it makes you better, y'all would have gotten murdered by Tampa Bay anyway. Whatever. We, it's the Giants versus Brady. We know that the Gi- Eli would have suited up for one more game. <laughs> came out there as like, came out there in like a fake mustache and like some hair dye. As long as he didn't make the Manning face, I think we would have been all right. We could have, we could have went by. Okay, we lost Harry. Another podcast and even more connection issues, but nevertheless. I was going to say, do you want to guys, do you guys want to bump to defensive rookie of the year? And then when he pops in, he can chime in. Oh, there he is. Can y'all hear me now? Yes. Yes. There we go. Yes. Verizon, Verizon guy, we can hear you now. Okay. That's good to hear. Um, Yeah. I'm going to have to leave my camera on because I'm connected over here. I don't know what it is, but for some reason the Wi-Fi keeps going in and out and it's better when the camera off. I'm just going to leave that off for the rest of the show. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Alright. Let's move on and go to Coach of the Year. I don't think we had anything left for Comeback Player of the Year. I think we all stated our... We did. Philadelphia rant, as has become a custom over the last couple of weeks on the show. Preseason, Jason took Zach Taylor from... From Cincinnati. Yes. Jason, Zach Taylor from Cincinnati. I my, my thing beeped, and I was worried it was cutting out again. Eric took Frank Reich from Indianapolis, who holds a special place in our heart as a Bills fan. I went the homer pick. I took Sean McDermott from Buffalo. The midseason version of this, Jason, was? Uh, you stuck with McDermott. Uh Eric switched over to Flores in Miami, and I took Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh due to their uh, starting the season undefeated up to that point when we recorded. The 2020 NFL Honors Coach of the Year for 
the NFL was? Kevin Stefanski, head coach of the Browns. All right, so I'm not going to say that I disagree with the Stefanski pick because Stefanski single-handedly helped erase a 20-plus year drought in Cleveland in terms of both. It was a double-digit years in terms of making the playoffs. I believe the last time was 2003. And a 26-year drought from their last postseason win, which would have been in January of 1994. That being said, I am going full-blown homer here. Sean McDermott should have won Coach of the Year. Ended a 25-year postseason winning drought. Ended a 26-year, I think it was um, 94 for 93 for Buffalo's last AFC East championship led the bills to the second best record in the A to the second best record in the AFC. And I believe tied for the third best record in the NFL at 13 and three for as good as Stefanski's Browns were. And for as out of nowhere as Stefanski's Browns came, if this had been a traditional postseason. Cleveland barely squeaks into the postseason, whereas Buffalo would have been sitting on a first-round bye. Kennedy, we're biased. Obviously, both of us are members of the Mafia. That being said, McDermott's the choice here, right? Uh, Let her check her out first. Hey, hey, I got it this time. <laughs> so, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Stefanski took a, a tough well, a tough division and a young team, and they were disciplined, and they did a good job. But McDermott took a shit team for the past 25 years, built them up, built their quarterback, motivated to do some like motivated them to do something they haven't been able to do. Um, and again, Bill's Mafia. So Sean McDermott for the win. Jason, you actually agreed with this when we originally recorded. Are you still in the camp of Kevin Stefanski? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a 1A, 1B situation between him I'll and McDermott. Um, I, I think I would not have been upset if it would have went to McDermott. I mean, the 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 acquisition of Diggs in Buffalo helped tremendously, giving Josh Allen that true number one receiver. But it all comes down to your coaching as well. Do I think Stefanski would have won the? Uh, I think he would have been a solid number two if OBJ would have stayed. Uh, healthy in Cleveland uh, because I think that the Browns actually performed better once OBJ's injury occurred. And I hate saying that, but it seems like the Browns jailed more once Beckham was not on the field. So what you're saying is he almost single-handedly flushed their chances. Yeah. I, I, like I said, he was, it's a solid number two choice. It would have been a solid number two. You know, it was, it could have been fluid. I mean, I don't know. It was a drizzling number two is what it was. Eric, you're not saying anything over there. Well, I was just waiting because if you think about it, with OBJ out of the picture, Cleveland really steamed their way through the second half of the regular season and onto their competition and what happened in the playoffs. But unfortunately, sometimes you just got to get that plunger and get that last little bit going. And they couldn't do that against Kansas City. But nevertheless, 
and this is specifically to both you, Harry, and Kennedy. Going into this season, building upon last season, if somebody had told you the Bills would finish 13-3, and finally win the AFC East, make a run to the AFC Championship game, would either of you have been surprised? Or would that be something closer to what you expected? Given so every year, <laughs> every year, um, no matter what year it is, the Bills Mafia says we're going to the Super Bowl. So no, it wouldn't have been. But on a real note, um, at the beginning of this season, I looked at my husband. And he's a Vikings fan, and I told him the Bills were going to go thirteen and three. And he looked at me and he said, "Y'all are going to go ten and six. And I said, "No, everything, the progression that Josh Allen made from like the half of the season he played and then his first full season he was only going to get better and I don't know if that's a dumb statement because he obviously could have got worse but we knew like he loves playing in Buffalo and I think he has the heart to know that he needed to get better so knowing that I lost my train of thought there was something so good at the end of that sentence and now it is gone <laughs> but no but no right down I think your we, we <laughs> no if um just to trail back, if somebody told me that this was the year that it was going to get done, um, I wouldn't have been surprised. Okay. Yeah, I'm with... Wait, hey, you asked me to. Let me speak. I know. Go right ahead. Uh, if you guys recall in our preseason prediction episode, I actually said that the Bills were going to go 12-4 and four and win the AFC East. All right. So, and I know, Harry, when you were saying this about the Browns, Jason going all full Ginger Dalmas again, but going into this season would have same thing with the Browns. And you said, hey, they would be going 11 and five. They would actually win a playoff game for the first time since Belichick. Would you have been surprised? I wasn't because I was a year ahead of the curve. Like I said, uh, you, you were exempt from this question, Ginger Dalmas. No. I, I go back to what I said when I was doing my original conversation about this. I can understand how Stefanski got the nod because what Stefanski did in Cleveland this year was unexpected. What McDermott did in Buffalo this year was kind of, to be honest, three years in the making between him getting the team to the postseason back in 2017, him getting the team back to the postseason last year and going to overtime against a very good Houston team last year, and then obviously the run that the Bills went on this year, whereas Stefanski Browns performance this was a Cleveland team that was struggling to finish 500 for the better part of the 2010s exactly so based upon that massive overperformance we're talking two three standard deviations of, above what we would expect that I, I actually that statistics opposite side of the coin but given that Stefanski was really the clear winner over McDermott. Not saying that had McDermott won, I would have been on some sort of tirade about it. But with something like this, given the storyline, given how everything developed through the season, and we talked about this, stories I, carry weight. The Browns story, I, as much as the Bills story was a good one, the Browns happened to be better. I apologize for almost interrupting you there, Eric. However, I will say this much. With regards to the comments that Kennedy made about Josh Allen's progression this year, 
While not all of that can be attributed to McDermott, a good portion of it can. However, more of it can be attributed to a different coach. And Eric, I ask you, the 2020 NFL Honors Assistant Coach of the Year was... Brian Dable, offensive coordinator of your Buffalo Bills. So Dable getting recognized kind of eases the sting off of McDermott not winning coach of the year, to me at least, because that way they're acknowledging the Bills' performance offensively this year and specifically giving credit to the mastermind behind Josh Allen's performance and Brian Dable. Can I just point out how glad I am that neither him nor Leslie Leslie Frazier are leaving this offseason? It got real hairy there for a little bit towards the end of the regular season. I have mixed feelings about Dable, especially because uh, of our Houston performance in the playoffs. But, uh, I mean, if he's going to keep going the route he's going, especially with our offense, I'm not going to be mad about it if if he stays longer than we think he will. Well, well all I'm was... saying is we started your hoodoo in the playoffs against the AFC South, and that was finally broken this year. So there's that. Eric has to use fancy words like hoodoo to make up for the fact that his team won one game this season. You, you know, salt wound with the kind of warning I had and the kind of things that you made me get even more angry even before we recorded. Do you really have to rub that kind of assault? Damn it. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. All right. So let's go to the defensive player of the year now. Our Defensive Player of the Year in the preseason, Eric chose Calais Campbell, I chose Khalil Mack, and Jason chose Darius Leonard from Indianapolis. Our midseason update to this, Mr. Teasley, was? Uh, You chose Aaron Donald. Um, Eric took Khalil Mack, as well as I took Khalil Mack. The 2020 NFL Honors Defensive Player of the Year, Eric. Aaron Donald, Defensive Tackle the Rams. All right, before I gloat in my victory, I will give open time to the two people who disagree with this pick, and that is specifically the Ginger Domus as well as the Anchorman here, because both of you guys had a different way of going with this year with a man whose more famous brother has won this award before but you feel he should have won it this year. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, I think T.J. Watt should have won it. Um, but, uh, I mean, he put up better uh, better numbers in almost every category, playing fewer games uh, than Darner. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he was uh, an anchor to that defense that did get the Steelers off to, I think it was the 11-0 start. I think they didn't lose their first game to Week 11. Uh, uh, week so, 13 yeah. was the first loss. Week 13? Plus. So, uh, 11, 11 wins in a bye week. Week 13 yeah. was the first loss to Washington. Yeah, so 11 on those start. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was definitely a uh, numbers don't lie. I mean, Eric's the statistician here. So, him putting up the, the numbers that he did uh, – I, I can't justify – don't get me wrong. Um, Aaron Donald's a great defensive player, but I don't think that he should have got it over Watt this year. 
Uh, Eric, you're on the side of TJ Watt here as well. Then the main reason why TJ Watt really made his case and looking at the numbers, Pittsburgh, especially in the regular season, continued and broke a historic record consecutive games with a sack. That was in large part to TJ Watt busting through, going ahead, really getting to the quarterback and forcing pressure. However, if I was going to make one dent in the argument is not quite just for the complete almost going off a cliff after the 11-0 start, but when Bud Dupree got hurt, it was Watt and Dupree, Watt and Dupree, Watt went ahead and shown above Dupree, and that showed dramatically statistically. However, if Watt had been able to continue and really keep that going more by himself, it would have been even more justified for winning the award. Then my argument for why Donald won it is look at how he was basically a one-man wrecking crew the entire season, even in the playoffs, even after getting hurt and even playing hurt, still busting through, breaking double teams, so many different offensive line adjustments had to be made going against Aaron Donald, whereas with T.J. Watt, you really didn't see that sort of hesitation or need for extra planning to everybody facing Pittsburgh. See, that's the exact point that I was going to make, Eric. I think that the reason that Aaron Donald won this award is because Aaron Donald is in and of himself a game changer, whereas Pittsburgh has a multitude of different defensive players who could take over a game on any given situation. All right, I'm going to throw out stats. Uh, TJ versus AD. Uh, tackles, 53-41, TJ. Sacks, 15 to 13 and a half TJ tackles for loss 23 to 12 TJ pressures 55 to 42 TJ QB hits 41 to 26 TJ forced fumbles two to four AD okay can I pass defenses pass defenses seven to one TJ interceptions one to zero TJ hold on Jason let me allow allow me to use your own logic against you here you ready go ahead what was it that you said about Justin Jefferson compared to Justin Herbert? The fact that Justin Jefferson had a better supporting cast, correct? Yeah, but his stats don't lie. I mean, I want to because use your, the- your idea against you. Stats don't lie. Okay, okay. I, let me kind of count in and get a buffer. Do you happen to have the split with TJ's stats with Dupree and without Dupree? I'm uh, pretty sure he was that keeping that same sort of a pace without Dupree and stepping up by himself, then that puts me really farther in the camp of TJ Watt should have won it. But if he had the bulk of those with Dupree and then a not so much without him, well then it belays to Aaron Donald. Well, I'm pretty sure that the stats that Jason just pulled are the ones that J.J. Watt shared when he was supporting his brother to win, correct? Yes. Yeah, so there's also a J.J. Watt bias there as well, but that's neither here nor there. My main thing here with this that's regard is, my, my main thing here with this regard is the fact that 
I think that the surrounding circumstances of the respective defenses play the deciding factor here. I think the committee realizes that Pittsburgh's defense, top to bottom, is significantly better than the Los Angeles' defense. The Steelers could lose J.J. Watt and still be a – or T.J. Watt, excuse me. The Steelers could lose T.J. Watt and still be a legitimate defensive threat. You take Aaron Donald off of the Los Angeles Rams defense, and they're arguably bottom five in the league. But that's not T.J. Watt's fault. He shouldn't be deprived of something he deserved because the rest of Aaron Donald's defense sucks. Just because Aaron Donald makes a team and you have to double cover him and he's a good player, doesn't shouldn't take away the fact that Watt had one and a half more sacks, eight more tackles, six more pass deflections. There's no reason that T.J. Watt should not have gotten Defensive Player of the Year. Thank you. She came to the dark side. You're all wrong and the committee agreed with me, so bite me. Well, and even uh, looking through to kind of really make everybody's noodle looking at the how the order of finish for Defensive Player of the Year, TJ Watt actually came in third. Xavier Howard was the runner-up. I was going to mention him. The fact that he had 10, inter- he was first in interceptions and he was first in pass deflections. I get like... There's a, I wouldn't say there's more he could do. I understand the stats that TJ and Aaron Donald have, but he, the what he did for the Dolphins this year was nuts. Oh, yeah. And uh, to support that, the Dolphins' only team in the NFL to force at least one turnover, getting one takeaway in every single game. And wasn't they... Correct me if I'm... They was the highest, they was the highest scoring team defense as well, wasn't they? They were going They were the best defense against uh, scoring average wise going into week seventeen until Buffalo hung fifty six on them. Um, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Xavier Howard also the first defensive back to have more to have double digit interceptions since like the mid nineties? Yes, he was. It had been a very long time since anybody got to that 10 mark. Honestly, I think given all three of their performances this year, it's an ABC situation similar to what we talked about with McDermott and Stefanski for Coach of the Year. I don't think you go wrong with any of them. I will say this much. I do believe that Donald had the biggest significant individual contribution to his respective team. And that's what gave him the edge. So you're saying that the player that had the least supporting cast should get the award. Hmm. Hello, Justin Herbert. Yeah, let's use that logic. Okay, but that goes back to me turning it against you with the whole T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald situation. So it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other here. Regardless, we'll move on because we could have this conversation the rest of the day and we have other awards and predictions to get to. Plus, Eric still has a news desk for us. Our offensive player of the year. Oh, boy. This does not read pretty from the preseason, guys. Eric? Your offensive player of the year doesn't even play for the same team anymore. It was Carson Wentz. Yep. With Jason, your offensive player of the year spent most of the year on the injured list in Christian McCaffrey. 
Nothing. No. I mean, Harry, you can't you can't do anything about injuries. Harry, your offensive player of the year punched a teammate and got suspended. Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> yeah, swing and a miss on this one, boys. Uh, we didn't do a midseason offensive player of the year because we kind of combined it with our MVP. So, Eric, the 2020 NFL offensive player of the year was uh, the king himself, a man who has made my team look stupid on many of occasions, and despite all that, would be welcome back to Jacksonville with open arms if he ever at any point gets tired of his current situation Derrick Henry running back of the Titans please come home okay I'm going to go back to what I said when we originally did this and I'm going to stand by it Josh Allen was robbed you're muted Kennedy oh I didn't know I was supposed to talk um See, I kind of agree with Derrick Henry. I know most improved really isn't a thing, but I'd give Josh Allen most improved. Derrick Henry is the eighth person ever to run over 2,000 yards. Um, Josh Allen, very big improvement, but he's not setting like full records. He, he hit a couple Jim Kellys, but he's not setting full quarterback records yet, you know? Eric Henry's getting up there doing running back things. Did 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 Derrick Henry send uh, uh, another player into a different? Don't we're not going to talk about Josh Norman. We talked about this last time, and you're going to leave that man alone. No, 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 no. Kennedy, you're going to feel my pain on this one. I don't know how many times I have had to see that damn 99-yard run or it was on national television, and I don't know how many even more times that so many Jaguars players got sent to the damn shadow realm because of that man. If it happened to you too, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so you're saying let's talk about it? <laughs> what do you want the man to do? It's Derrick Henry. Oh, I mean, all right, uh, allow me to throw yeah. these. Allow me to throw these stats at you for my uh, my comment about Josh Allen for offensive player of the year. Over four thousand yards passing this year. One of only I believe four quarterbacks to do so this season. Fifty yes. combined touchdowns. Thirty eight through the air. Twelve on the ground. Actually, it might be thirty seven and thirteen. Regardless, thirteen and three. And the second best record in the NF in the AFC. I see. I knew that was going to happen at least once. <laughs> so, 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 wait. You're saying he had the second best record in the ANFC? Gotcha. Thanks. Absolutely. But it's just uh, it's it's basically his improvement, though. So I get the he had four thousand five hundred forty-four passing yards, and but. Minus that fact, he didn't do, and I'm not saying obviously he's my quarterback, but he didn't do um, enough. His improvement is what we saw. And that's I, why everybody jumped on the offensive player of the year. It's because of his I, improvement. I will grant that Derrick Henry means more to the Titans than Allen does to the Bills. But I think it's arguable. I do believe that this is the first opportunity that we've seen with an offense or for Allen with an offense competent. 
having a true number one wide receiver, having a respectable, albeit not great, running game, having a down-the-field threat when healthy in smoke, as well as a possession wide receiver in Cole Beasley and a tight end that's willing to take the big hit in Dawson Knox. My big thing is going to be where does Derrick Henry fall next season now that offense, now that defenses are probably going to be even more keyed on him than they were this year? Well, I mean, he put up 15, over 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns last year, and he put up over 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns on the ground this year. I mean, your homerism is shining bright. Right, Robert Taylor Jr. the second. Um, but I mean, I, I I don't think that you could overshadow. I mean, Josh Allen wasn't even the best quarterback in the league. Now, to be fair, to kind of take this little bit of a sting out of it, Josh Allen did win for fantasy player of the year. But let's be realistic. Until Tannehill decided, holy shit, I'm really not playing under Adam Gase anymore. I can finally be a quarterback. Who was the anchor of Tennessee's offense? Derrick Henry. And even going back to last season, and I know this isn't included in that, but it was a very good lead up. Look at who (laughs) really performed in leading those bum-ass Titans offensively in the playoffs. Derrick Henry. So, no. if you're talking vital parts in everything that happened, yeah, Henry's kind of the man, and he should definitely be a Jacksonville Jaguar. I'm just saying. Just saying. No, because no, that, that would put somebody on Jacksonville with talent, and that's clearly not a thing that happens nowadays. No, 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 no. We have people with talent. We just can't keep them if they start here. He did not start in Jacksonville with his career, so it's more of a likelihood that he will stick around. Hell, look at how we had to deal with people like Chad Henney. Just saying. Ridiculous. I'm not saying I disagree with Henry, because I don't. I do think that Allen probably deserved more recognition from the NFL masses than he got. But I think that that comes from me as somebody who watches him on a week in, week out basis. Whereas I don't think Henry or Allen gets the mainstream publicity that Henry got throughout the course of the season. I mean, get a couple more national television games, and hey, that fixes itself. Allen and the Bills got shit on all year, no matter what they did. And my favorite thing, being a Bills fan too, is say we won by by seven. Oh, well, you guys got lucky. It was by seven. We could blow out a team by 40 points, right? And somebody would say, oh, well, you know, the Bills just got lucky. You can't win. And I think being a Bills fan or and I think being a Bills player, Josh Allen didn't recognize or get the recognition he deserved. And neither, neither did the Bills all season. Oh, I, I, I'll say Josh Allen's one of the most uh, underrated players in the NFL. I mean, I've said that since he came in the league. Since he was drafted by Buffalo, uh, I I had huge um, expectations for him. Once the Bills drafted him, I told Harry that that is a perfect fit due to his style of play and everything that he is a good fit in Buffalo. And I completely I, agreed. I, 
I still think he's got a little ways to grow. And when you're being in the, uh, when you're starting to be in that MVP conversation, that's when you'll get the recognition. Until he takes that next, at, at, he's about one or two steps behind before he enters that conversation, I believe. My thing with Allen is Allen has to work on the turnovers, and I think that's one of the main things that hurts him. He still makes ill-advised throws on occasion into, uh, into coverage that he shouldn't be throwing into. He has a tendency to cough up the football when he shouldn't cough up the football. Once Allen can get the turnovers under control, I do think that Allen will be an even pl- better player than he already is, and that should be a very scary thought for all of the other teams in the ANFC. He... I- I agree. He just he wears out his offensive line. The fact that he can keep the ball as long as he can is great, but he needs to he needs to get the ball out faster. He's just wearing down his his guys, and that's something I think he needs to work on. And I, well, I would argue in the requiem of a season, uh, what I think will be a major focal point for Buffalo in the offseason is to get him a legit wide receiver too that can complement Diggs and that he can rely on. Uh, Brown is not a reliable receiver. He's either hurt or he just vanishes during games. Uh, like Beasley. Beasley is a great. He's Wes Welker 2.0. But I think that Buffalo needs to get a solid complimentary receiver that helps Allen and Diggs out to get to that next level for these conversations. I argue we need a running back first. Our run game isn't there, and it's putting a lot of pressure on on Allen to throw too much. Zach Moss, Zach Moss. When they turn Zach Moss loose, he will be the answer to Buffalo's running game. And I, I hope he uh, is, but I think we need a good. I, right now, Moss and Singletary are good seconds. They're not. We don't have a number one running back right now, and I think we need one. Kennedy, did you hear the rumors as to who Buffalo might be pursuing this offseason? Running back wise, yes. No, I haven't. Chris Carson from Seattle. I uh, he was on my fantasy team this year. So there's talk that the Bills might be going after that RB one that you were referring to. I, I agree in terms of running backs. I don't think that Singletary and Moss are the answer right now in Buffalo because both of them had a had a historically good offense around them, and neither of them really significantly contributed. Let's move on. Our final preseason award was MVP. And in our preseason picks, Eric chose Russell Wilson. I chose Lamar Jackson. And Jason chose Drew Brees. The midseason awards for this went to who, Mr. Teasley? We all took, we all was on the Russell Wilson hype train. And I believe that week is the week that he threw three interceptions, the week that we recorded that podcast. Yeah, so can't we can't let Ross Cook about... without the right damn ingredients, Seattle. We, we, we need to get him out of the kitchen at the midseason mark. And um, he, just... was our first, he was our first half MVP. Eric, who was the 2020 NFL Honors MVP? The winning half, at least in the MVP voting, of the State Farm duo, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Packers. I gave you guys shit about this in the original version of this we recorded. I'm not going to hear. I it, it it's Rodgers. 
leading Green Bay to a 14 and two record in the top seed in the NFC. Um, doing every having finally having the full complement of people around him that he hasn't had for the last three seasons. And basically what we refer to here on the kickoff as the Aaron Rodgers fuck you revenge tour. Basically Aaron Rodgers' way of telling the staff and the ownership of the Green Bay Packers that y'all made a huge mistake disrespecting me the way that you did by drafting Jordan Love in the first round when you should have been working on getting me a better offensive line. Aaron Jones came back healthy and motivated this year. Devontae Adams proved to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Equinemius St. Brown made his debut, all-name team for the record. After an injury-plagued season last year, Marquez Valdez-Scantling proved that last year's performance was not a fluke. And the Packers were, one would argue, probably the best offensive team throughout the course of the 2020 NFL season. Eric, it was it was Aaron from State Farm, right? Yep, Aaron uh, Mahomes, the other half of that duo, is runner-up. Josh Allen finishing third. But really, with all of this and now whatever drama that there has been in the offseason regarding whether or not Aaron would stay or go, he would have had a lot more leverage had he made that legit because... Everybody was like, oh, with Aaron Rodgers, they should have won more, and this and that. Yes, given his attitude and his aloofness aside, even now as he's creeping up in his mid-30s, just like all of our other veteran quarterbacks, he stepped up, he did the job. And I mean, you put Jordan Love or a few other quarterbacks in that situation, they're nowhere near 14-2. and So with this one, I can't terribly argue against it discount double check kennedy it's aaron Rodgers. yes uh absolutely um the only stat he had under mahomes was 500 yards so i mean he there's no comparison through the whole season for what aaron Rodgers did compared to patrick mahomes obviously i wanted a Josh Allen win, but that's just biasness. Um, but Mahomes, or sorry, but Rogers uh, definitely deserved it overall. Jason, if we stopped giving, if we started giving this award out at the midseason mark, it would have definitely been Russell Wilson. But you could argue that Rogers was one two with Wilson even at the halfway pole. In the second half, Rogers ran away with this. Yeah, I mean, uh, and he ran away with a lot of rushing touchdowns that should have went to Aaron Jones. Uh, but well, that's just my bitterness for fantasy football kicking in. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Rodgers was uh, definitely the MVP of the season. Our 2020 postseason predictions, Jason's preseason pick was the Minnesota Vikings defeating the Kansas City Chiefs. Eric's preseason pick was the New Orleans Saints over the Pittsburgh Steelers. My preseason pick was the New Orleans Saints over the Baltimore Ravens. How did we change that at the midway mark, Jason? Uh, at the midway mark, let me pull it back up here. Um, your Super Bowl stayed the same. Uh, your Super Bowl was the Saints over the Ravens. Uh -huh. Eric was Seattle over Pittsburgh, and I was Seattle over Kansas City. 
So the only one of us to get a team correct throughout the entire season was Jason picking Kansas City. Ginger Domus. Nobody saw Tampa Bay's postseason run coming. We probably uh, should have. We probably should have, but nobody did. I'm going to check some here. I mean, I did okay. say they were. Well, Eric had them like- as a two seed. Yeah, well, they didn't win the South, so. Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying we can't really say that because Eric had him as a two seed in, in the midseason. Thank you. I said as soon as they caught fire, I'm like, look out. They didn't get Kennedy as high in winning the South, but I'm like, eh, they're going to at least make some sort of noise in the playoffs. I just didn't have the making this much. Kennedy, do you remember who you chose in the preseason for the Super Bowl? Uh, I thought it was going to be Saints-Chiefs. I mean, it wouldn't have been a bad game. And then, uh, obviously, half. once we got to uh, closer to the postseason, I changed it to Bill's Saints, and we saw how that went. <laughs> Our homer shines through all the same. All oh, the same. You ain't kidding. <laughs> I, 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 hold on. I want I to be this fair. Out. I'm going to be fair. Robert Taylor, you are never, you are never going to be condemned for your homerism ever again. Thanks. So that's podcast. a lie. That's a lie. First of all. Second of all, to be fair, you also picked the Giants to win the NFC East when they were dead fucking last in the division. They but almost guess did. what? They almost did. exactly. <laughs> if Philadelphia wouldn't have cheated. I mean, hell, if we're talking about anybody's homerism and actually being realistic, it's me. (laughs) Poor poor Eric. (laughs) He knows his team's place in the NFL nowadays. Like I said, and I put it to you last night when you were doing your statistics, the AFC South, the most bum-ass division in the NFL since 2010. I'll be putting it to Eric. I actually did. Uh, I actually did share a thing in the. I wonder if we can upload that to the site as a, as an actual graphic. I can. All right. Well, then go ahead and pull them from the chat and put them up. We have the records from 2011 to 2020, and the most disappointing thing about that whole thing to me was Buffalo finished one game under 500 for the 2010s. Uh, oh, one game under 500. <laughs> Cry me a river. <laughs> All right, Eric, time check. 106. All right, so that gives us about that gives us about 40 minutes to do the news desk here, but before we do, so let's go ahead and remind you who's bringing you today's episode of the kickoff. This episode of the kickoff is brought to you by Grammarly. Go to getgrammarly.com backslash W2M network for for a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly conducts hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes, corrects, excuse me, 
That's, they could have corrected my mistake right there, actually. While also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting stylistic improvements. Go to getgrammarly.com backslash W2M network for your free download and trial of the Grammarly software. Eric, where else can people find us now if they wanted to listen to us on other places than our traditionals that we talk about at the end of the episode? Well, if you happen to have an Alexa-enabled device or you enjoy Amazon Music in general, you can also listen to hear us on the kickoff and through other W2M podcasts all on Amazon Music. Go to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network to take advantage of some special Amazon offers. And again, just ask Alexa, hey, listen to the W or check W2M network and you will hear the latest podcast that we have up. Including our Shirley on the Kickoff, Black Irish, Rattelich and Broadcasting, and a whole host of others. That is getamazonmusic.com backslash W2M network. Mr. Anchorman. Finishing the little timestamp there, but yes, it is time for the news desk. We kind of mentioned this in some ways as we were doing our postseason awards, but the most dominant topic so far has been the quarterback carousel. We've already seen a couple of big moves. Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff doing a little switch in places. Matthew going to the Rams for a couple some would say overpriced picks and Jared Goff who is now in Detroit and then the other news uh, Carson Wentz now he will be contributing to my misery reuniting with Frank Reich in Indianapolis between all of this the rumors surrounding other quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo Dak Prescott's extension and the big shoe yet to drop where Deshaun Watson lands It's going to be another interesting few months. Well, don't forget the other major quarterback uh, transfer that might be happening as well with this category, and I think we should do this story here. Yes, with the big question mark surrounding what the NFL has released with their salary cap being a floor of $180 million, and with this particular quarterback's hit being $41 million, Pittsburgh, both the team and fans, will have to ask themselves, does Big Ben toll no more? All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the original part of this first here. And that was, I'm going to ask the same question that I asked you guys when we originally tried to record this, because honestly, I thought it was a really good question and I'm standing by it. Kennedy, who has a better season with their new team? Will it be... Carson Wentz in Chicago? Or well, he's not in Chicago. Carson Wentz in Indianapolis? Or will it be, I don't know why I had Chicago in the brain there, or will it be Matthew Stafford with the Rams? Uh, I don't think either of them, but if I have to answer out of those two, uh, Stafford's going to do better with the Rams, I think. I think out of that whole trade deal, Goff's going to do the best. But if we're going Stafford and Wentz, uh, Stafford's going to have it. Eric, same question. Stafford with the Rams or Wentz with the Colts? 
you asked me this last time, and you even read my mind. In my heart, I want Stafford to have a better season. He happens to be a family favorite in the Casa del Squid. However, in my head, knowing Frank Reich being the quarterback whisperer, knowing how Frank Reich in college made my life miserable, knowing how the Colts were making my life miserable, the football gods will continue to smite me, and Carson Wentz is really going to ball out. I think not by a considerable margin, but I do think Wentz will have the better season of those two. Jason, same question. I'm going to go Stafford in um, as a Ram. Uh, I, I agree with Kennedy. I think overall, out of the three major uh, moves made, I think golf's going to have the best season out of all three of them. But I, uh, between the two, I think Stafford going to the Rams will elevate that team a little bit better. I mean, uh, I think um, you're going to see Cooper Cup uh, emerge as well as Higby uh, with a more seasoned veteran at the quarterback position. So out of those two, I'm going to go with Stafford. Let's go ahead and unmute the microphone before I ask Perk. Two of this question, Kennedy, have we seen the end of Big Ben's run in Pittsburgh? I hope so. I mean, you got Haskins sitting there. He's asking, Ben is asking for too much. He's not worth it. He's 39. His talents are depreciating. He's washed up now, I think. I think they just need to cut their losses and move on. Eric, have we seen the end of Big Ben in Pittsburgh? Personally... I am inclined to agree and say yes. While he came to the team and said, I don't care how much I make, I'll be willing to stick around. Pittsburgh flat out said, ah, we'll wait and see. And Pittsburgh has been very tempered in saying, yes, he is a stealer for now. They're going to crunch a lot of numbers. And while Carson Wentz, is actually now attributing to the biggest dead money cap hit ever for a quarterback in nearly $34 million. Pittsburgh is really going to look at what they have, really going to look at the cap. Plus, they see Ben in two lights. Number one, he said that he was only going to stay as long as Pouncey stayed. More on that situation later on. Number two, da, da, da. dramatic reverb. Number two, they're going to look and see what he does in the offseason and traditionally what he hasn't done. With Ben, his time in the offseason is more just being for chill instead of actually preparation. That came to a head a couple of years ago. And I honestly think if he had a choice of preparing for one more grind or heading home to the farm, he would actually go ahead and spend time at the farm. So I think the Steelers know that. They're going to be big players in this market as they should. And the Roethlisberger era is over. So get your $7 sandwiches while you can in the Pittsburgh area. Jason, has, yes. the, bell, has the bell told on Big Ben for the last time in Pittsburgh? Yes, and I think you're going to see uh, a lot of changes in Pittsburgh. You're going to see a, a uh, certain receiver out of Pittsburgh. 
You're going to see a new quarterback in Pittsburgh, and you're going to see a new running back in Pittsburgh. Um, out of the draft class that Big Ben came out of, two of those people have retired. Two of only one of them uh, has Super Bowls. Uh, that's currently retired. So I think it's time for Ben to go ahead and ride off into the sunset with his uh, draft classmates and go ahead and start looking at life after football. I don't think he will. I think he's going to play well past his prime. Uh, Like I said, I think this offseason, you're going to see a lot of changes in Pittsburgh. Well, I actually agree. I do think that we've seen the end of Big Ben in Pittsburgh, but not for the reason maybe that you think so, Jason, because we had this conversation on the original version of the show as well. There's another quarterback domino that hasn't fallen quite yet, Eric, that we need to discuss, and we may as well do so right now. Segway! Well, which other, like, domino, because there was another big domino that actually came up that I was going to address differently. Um, I, I was referring to a specific Houstonian. Oh, yes, that I mentioned that big shoe in Deshaun Watson because he came out and said, not happy with ownership, how they've been handling certain off-field issues that he's a major advocate for, not happy with the team in their process of hiring a general manager and coach, basically meant giving him some sort of input than taking a hard left turn and ignoring it. So he's like, will I sit and scramble around and have to deal with more of this bullshit while I'm in my prime? Or can I go to a contending team where I'm going to actually feel loved and appreciated? So you know what? I'm going to be on my way out. Granted, the Texans are like, hey, wait a minute, that isn't going to happen. But... You look into the situation, who has more of the power, and you're going to see a lot of teams making phone calls for him. Deshaun Watson, who be prepared for a frenzy. Jason, where does Deshaun Deshaun Watson end up to start the 2021 season? Uh, I'm going to go with two teams, uh, because one has been catching fire in the rumor mill lately uh and if this trade goes down it will probably be the most shocking thing that the nfl has seen uh and that's the carolina panthers uh but deep down in my heart i really think he's going to go to the jets uh and see you're going to see a lot of draft capital uh and maybe a couple of players uh and some money but i think that um if you're a betting man like I am. Uh, you put your money on him ending up in the Jets. Uh, major market being in New York. Um, you know, they're a young team uh, They who missed out on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Uh, Watson isn't very old, He's but he's, see, he's got a few seasons under him, but he's still one of the top, uh, top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and I think that they can build around him. I think that he'll be happy to accept a major market uh, like New York, uh, a la Eli Manning when he was drafted. Uh, so I think that deep down it's going to be a New York Jets uh, deal that we see come out for Watson. Um, see, I'm going to disagree with both of those teams, and here's why. 
Watson has stated that one of the reasons he wants to leave Houston is because of the franchise's apparent lack of effort moving forward. The same reason that J.J. Watt has decided to leave the Texans behind. We'll get to Mr. Watt here in a few moments. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic, Dramatic reverb. <laughs> I honestly think that Deshaun Watson is going to end up a Pittsburgh Steeler. And I think that the reason Deshaun Watson ends up a Pittsburgh Steeler is because Pittsburgh's offense still has a, nucle- a nucleus that Watson can work with in Juju Smith-Schuster, in James Conner. Go ahead, Jason. And like I said, you're going to see a big-time wide receiver no longer in Pittsburgh and a running a new running back in Pittsburgh. See, I think I think that if Watson comes to Pittsburgh, Smith, Schuster, and Connors stay. I, I I look for Juju to get traded. I look for Juju to get traded, and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers to sign the biggest uh, running back free agent on the market currently, and Aaron Jones. So I think that he's going to end up with the Steelers. Jason's going with the Jets with the dark with the dark horse to Carolina. Kennedy, where do you fall on this discussion? Where does Deshaun Watson start the 2021 season? He's going to the Jets, I think. There were uh, rumors of him headed to the Dolphins, too. And Dolphins don't need him. Um, he's not going to Pittsburgh, but he's definitely, uh, I think he's going to end up uh, landing at the Jets. Mr. Watkins, your thoughts on this particular story? All right. I saw both Jason and Kennedy shake their heads at the Pittsburgh argument. But I'm in Harry's camp there, and I think, especially with Ben gone, they're going to could potentially look to restructure some things as far as getting him there. However, Kennedy mentioned this. If I'm looking at the landscape, you have the right division, but the wrong team. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if Watson does end up in Miami. I mean, we're talking an ACC guy, very well known in the area because of his time with Clemson. Again, making me miserable yet again. Jesus Christ, my fandom. Um, But with not just the team as well and how they've really been building, I have not heard a lot of good things in the building about Tua. Yes, everyone understands that he does still need room to grow. Yes, having come with this season off of that horrible hip injury. But I don't know if it's just a lack of patience or something else that the team is seeing that the rest of us aren't. They're not looking at a lot of inspiration and confidence, and they really don't see it building there. If that's the case, with Miami how they are, Make a trade, send Tua to Houston, and have him have whatever level of misery, and have his dad threaten even more people with the belt, while Watson is going to go and live his best life in Miami, and make the AFC East that much more interesting, and give even more competition with Buffalo, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. See, I'm not getting entirely death stares yet, so I might be on to something. That's always a sign. 
I, I don't like I don't like Miami giving up on Tago Vailoa, especially after the way that they forced Tago Vailoa into the season this year, benching Fitzpatrick the way they did. Which was, I agree, incredibly, incredibly stupid. But they, I mean, because of the schedule, w- they had to change plans. Which, yeah, stupid. But we all knew it was inevitable. And we I mean, all it, know now Fitzpatrick is pretty much one foot out the door himself. Yeah, it worked out pretty well for Miami throughout the course of the season. I mean, Tago Valoa led the team to a six and four record down the stretch to finish ten and six off of a four and two. But I would have argued that if you were going to make the idea, if you were going to make the switch to Tago Valoa taking away from Fitzpatrick there, then why would you want to do the same thing here and cut the rug out from Tago Valoa now that you view him as the face of your franchise, the future face of your franchise? Well, I'm just going to add this. Um... Carolina just cleared up $33.5 million in cap space. Uh, So I might be onto something. Okay, with that little tidbit aside, going with the original plan that the Dolphins had before the schedule was altered because of the pandemic, Fitzpatrick was going to start the game against the Jets, then the bye week, then Taco Vailoa was going to start the game against the Jets, see how they do the rest of the season. But the fact that Tagovailo was started earlier, you have more of a sample size. And let's be realistic. This isn't the days of 10, 15 years ago to where quarterbacks had to sit. You know right away the potential level of success, and you know what you have to tweak and what you've got to work with. With all of these games with Tagovailoa, it was the biggest thing was the lack of confidence in playing it too safe. Intermediate check down, check down, check down, handoff, not really pushing the ball down the field. With Watson, you got that arm, you've got that Miami swag. He will go out there and chuck it and you see what happens. Well, now again, it's Tua's will, first will, year. will they give Tua maybe a chance? I think so. But again, hearing from what I've been hearing in the building, I think that they've made their mind up already. Otherwise, you really wouldn't have even had those rumors to begin with. There's no reason for Watson to go there. Absolutely no reason. That was to his first year playing. I mean, if everyone kept that mindset, we wouldn't have Allen right now. Someone would have played over Allen. You got to give a quarterback a chance. There's no reason to sit there and shit on Tua and try to bring someone like Watson in when you haven't seen everything he can do. It's his first season. I think a guy like Mahomes has kind of hurt the uh, hurt the curve for something like that, though, because of the kind of season that Mahomes had when he first started playing. I think now franchises expect more out of rookie quarterbacks or first-year quarterbacks than maybe they did before Mahomes' campaign. I know he only started fair. the one. I agree <laughs> that it's not fair, but you can't deny that he's changed the curve in that regard. And it's not well, even what just Mahomes go do now and throw out curve. Joe Burrow. Well, it's not even going to go through Joe Burrow because he's hurt. Yeah, well, and again, with Burrow, with Mahomes, with Herbert, you look at it now, you can arguably say it's what, 50-50, 55-45, that you've got guys coming in that are ready to go, you know what you got, and you don't have to go ahead and have a guy sit behind and learn for a year. 
that time with the way college is, even going down with the way high school is, that era is over and done. You've got a lot of guys coming in gangbusters with immediate success. You're not getting that immediate success and with the team, you've already got it built defensively. You've already got some weapons. And look at what they did in spite of some of Tua's performances. They're like, hey, we get a better guy in here if we have to sit and wait another year or so for Tua to get his mentals right. Uh, well, then why we waste the draft the pick? Hmm. Then stop drafting quarterbacks and then just wait till somebody goes in the free agency. It makes no sense then. Then just quarterbacks aren't going to get drafted as regularly. Because if you're just going to sit there and pick someone up that wants to be traded or go to the free agency, then there's going to be less people coming in and starting from college anyways that you're going to see. Like you're saying they need to come in and be ready. Well, then it's just going to be fucking trade, trade, trade. And historically, that's probably going to happen because look at how many quarterbacks you're going to see with like all of this hype. You're getting, when you're really looking at upper echelon, you're maybe considering two. And for all of those that are on the Zach Wilson train, believe me, I've heard a lot of things and I've seen him play at BYU. Ah, you would want to really hold off. And even in Justin Fields, under the right circumstances, colleges aren't giving you a whole lot of quarterbacks really to begin with. But you know, like that one is really going to hit so everybody's going to draft like that one and other than that it's a total crapshoot i mean you're hearing a lot of the same things in the building about jordan love they're saying eh, maybe that was a little bit of a mistake from what they've seen with him in practice and everything else but that uh, just happens that a- not everybody's gonna come out sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say we we do need to move on so final points here real quick before we go to our next story Oh, I was just going to say right there, you're always going to get one out of the bunch that goes out and just fucking sucks. It happens. Look at Johnny Manziel. Everyone thought he was going to go out and be a Mahomes, and he wasn't. You know? <laughs> I, I said he would suck. Asterisk yeah, someone coming. someone bet me $100 that they were going to win the Super Bowl with him, and I told him to go fuck themselves. But I'm saying people thought Johnny Manziel was going to go out there and do things, and he didn't. It's just it's luck of the draw. Some people go and excel, and some people don't. All right, Mr. Watkins, let's move on to our next story. Yes, and I specifically dubbed this one Ultimate Tag, Pittsburgh Edition. We mentioned J.J. Watt. We mentioned he also wasn't happy with the situation going on with the Texans and them being now part of a rebuild. So he went to the front office and said, look, I know what's going on. You know what's going on. Let's just end this now. You have your space and you don't have to worry about me. I can go to a contending team. Let that be that. Dominus Rubiscum, he is released. Before I get into the major homerdom of a couple of people on this podcast (laughs) with the latest news, because I know I'm going to hear about it, and I'm siding with Jason on certain areas. We ain't talking about that now. I think personally... If you're also going ahead and retooling everything in Pittsburgh, like Jason was mentioning, would it be that far-fetched to see a full reuniting of the trio of Watt brothers on one team in the Steel City? Something that could be going on under the radar. If he doesn't want a Super Bowl. (laughs) 
Jason, I'll let you go first here. Your thoughts on J.J. Watt's landing destination? Oh, I told you about Dark Horse from the first episode uh, we recorded this. I think that it's going to be a shock, and he's going to end up in Arizona uh, and reunite with uh, Hopkins. Uh, there's been some some cryptic tweets coming out uh with pictures of them together and Hopkins with the caption of let's finish what we started. Uh, uh, Cardinals definitely have the cap space. And I, I think it's, it's a good thing. I I don't think Pittsburgh will bring him in Uh, where I would like him to see, see him go uh, is a whole different story, uh, which I know we're going to touch on uh, by the two members uh, fandom of that team. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with the dark horse and uh, say that he ends up in Arizona. In the last version of this show, Kennedy and I actually had this conversation, and I stand by it. If he does not want too much money in order to destroy any extra cap space that we may have to improve offensively, I would not mind seeing J.J. Watt come to Buffalo. It would give Watt an opportunity to play on a defense that has traditionally, over the course of the last five years, been ranked in the top five in the NFL. It would give Watt a contender to play on, a team that had just went to the AFC Championship. I almost said NFC again, Eric. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> a team that had just played in the, a- in the AFC Championship game. And in addition, it would give Watt an opportunity to reunite with... I I lost my train of thought there. There was reuniting with somebody. Wasn't Leslie Frazier the defensive coordinator in Houston for a while? And this is where Graberly.com will ke- step in <laughs> and help you with all, all of your uh, get, needs. Get, get Graberly.com backslash W2M network. Thanks, Jason. Well played. But anyway, I think Watt is going to want to go to a contender. I think he made that uh, blatantly obvious. And I know you're... Incite, I know you're citing Homer Dome and everything, everything here. You cannot argue that Buffalo is a contender right now. I, I think I sent the list from the end of the season there. Kansas City ended up with the best record in football, despite the fact that they lost the Super Bowl at 16-3. and three. The second best record in the NFL this year was Buffalo at 15-4. and four, Followed by Green Bay at 14-4 and four and Tampa Bay at 15-5. and five. Kennedy? I think if he wants a shot at a Super Bowl, he's going to go to Buffalo. Um, Would it be nice for him to go play with his brothers? Yes. But that's not going to do anything for him professionally. You know, so if, again, if he doesn't want a shit ton of money, if, because we need to sign Allen, Allen's number one priority. If he doesn't want a shit ton of money, um, I wouldn't mind having him. But he's injury ridden also. That's something you have to think about Um, when he's playing. He's a damn good player, but when he's sitting the bench, he's not doing nothing for us. So if we get him, I wouldn't complain, but I just, I think that's where he's going to end up. Eric. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on where JJ lands. Well, like I said, Buffalo. Yes. Would it be helpful? Yes, 
But if you're talking about the ultimate story and that would give a boost, I would easily say Pittsburgh. Now, I am on Jason's train a little bit as far as going out to Arizona. Being an anchor when available on a defense that can help as Kyler Murray continues to get into the groove. But if you're looking at a ready-made situation, and yes, Buffalo would be a bit of a stumbling block if on his way to a ring. If I am a betting man, which I am, bet on Bovada, Bovada.lv. They now deal in Bitcoin. Pittsburgh would be my place to go. That's where I'd lay my, my money. All right, so we're running up against it a little bit time-wise, so I'm going to make an executive decision to postpone the retirements for the next episode, Eric. That's fine, because I'm sure that we'll be seeing a few more. And let's close with the story that we discussed at the end of the original version of this episode and the untimely passing of one Vincent Jackson. This was a bit of a shame, especially having him just recently retired a couple of years ago. Hillsborough County, their sheriff's office was asked to perform a welfare or wellness check on him. Uh, some members of his family were concerned, and they went in. And Hillsborough County, being in the Tampa area, officers went into his hotel room where he had been staying. And found him deceased. The very young age of 38. There had been some troubling issues. And this was one case to where even Ryan Leaf was stepping up and continuing his crusade. Helping out his fellow retired players who have been going through issues. Especially after seeing this. And there were reports that came out that his family is donating his brain to science so they can investigate if he indeed, because of uh, it's worrying issues like depression, alcoholism, what have you, if those were attributed to CTE. But this is another one of those tragic endings that in some ways are avoidable and can't believe that I'm actually agreeing with Ryan Leaf, but... The NFL, in this respect, could do a little bit better in stepping up. Uh, yes, the family has announced that they will be donating Jackson's brain in order to be studied for chronic traumatic encephalopathy, easy for me to say, CTE, which has been a major talking point over the history of concussions that we've talked about recently here on the show. Uh, Vincent Jackson was one of those guys who had a career of alcoholism as well, a history of alcoholism as well, and they think that that may have played a role in his untimely passing as well. 38 is really young to go, especially for a professional athlete at that age. And just real quick, I wanted to do the same thing that I did on the original version of this here. Um, 155 career games, 540 catches for 9,080 yards, a career long of 95 yards, which is also a Tampa Bay Buccaneer franchise record for longest reception. In addition, Jackson scored 57 touchdowns and had 15 carries for 161 yards with a career rushing long of 41 Three fumbles in his career, losing two of them. 
in addition to the longest career reception in Tampa Bay Buccaneer history in 2012 in a game against the New Orleans Saints, Jackson also holds the Tampa Bay Buccaneers record for most receiving yards in a game in that same game with 216. Jason, an absolutely tragic story for a young man to pass in the prime of his life at the age of just 38. Yeah, any any athlete passing uh, is a tragic story. So uh, his he was definitely an impact player when he was playing for multiple teams. Uh, most notably uh, was his time over on the left coast. So, um I mean, I hate to see it, but, you know, his brain being uh, donated and stuff may give us more insights to uh, the CTE issues that does plague the NFL. Kennedy, one of the things that we haven't really discussed is your particular background in regards to athletics and as well as in your personal life here is you're a military person. You're currently deployed right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, no, my uh, my husband's getting ready to deploy right now, but we're just stationed in dust in California. But you are a former military. You are a military person as well. Yeah, yeah, we're both active duty. Both of Jackson's parents served in the United States Armed Forces. He sponsored military families at every Buccaneers home game through the Jackson in Action front row fan section at Raymond James Stadium. So Jackson was a staunch supporter of the United States Armed Forces as well. I didn't know that. That's awesome that he did that. This is per his Wikipedia link, which the uh, link to the page will be available in the show description there. All right. So that'll wrap up the news desk for this week. Thank you, Mr. Anchorman. Stay classy as always, W2M. And I do believe we have a quick introduction to do before we wrap things up officially here. Why don't you tell everybody out there a little bit about yourself, Miss Kennedy? What brings you to the, our little podcast? Um, I started doing hot takes on, uh, uh, what is it? TikTok. There we go. I started doing hot takes for uh, football on TikTok and uh, Jason ran into me in some of my videos and hit me up asking if I'd come join you guys. Obviously a member of the Mafia. We talked about that multiple times throughout the course of the show here. I already know the answer to this, but those that don't know at home, who's your favorite college team? Roll Tide, baby. (laughs) I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. (laughs) How do you think we feel, and how do you think I'm going to feel come the first week of the season? Yeah, uh, Miami starting the season against other members of this podcast has not ended well for them traditionally. Uh, you know what? I can't even fight it this time. I can't. <laughs> I Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to get good and drunk for that episode. You might get some bonus Black Irish action that week. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome aboard, Miss Eddings. Happy to be here, guys. All right, let's do our wrap-ups here. Where can people find you online, Kennedy? Um, on TikTok at the Useless Shellback and uh, Twitter Eds underscore Ken. Jason, where can people find you online? At W2M Chairman on Twitter, and I promise not to tell you to go fuck yourself. He doesn't actually make that promise. It's just a standard disclaimer. Eric, where can people find you online? 
at, at Squid Sports Head on Twitter. I do different things on there, mainly live tweeting whenever I get the chance. On Facebook, if you're looking for other stuff, look me up under Eric Watkins, Guy, Wine, Recliner, etc. You're looking for something special and extra spicy, slide into my DMs, undergo the proper vetting process, you'll gain access to my dark Twitter, Snapchat, Kick, MeWe, Vero, etc. All the other things that I dabble in. And as always, this blog brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC. Tutoring and tax consultation services now available. Website and commercial coming soon. Notary public and wedding officiating services available in the state of Florida. Youngest kickoff debut ever. <laughs> All right. Um, at ETB the Eagle on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Yahoo. If you need, to, if you want to email me. Although remember, all hate mail goes to s.garmer at gmail.com. In addition, you can find the W2M Network online at w2mnet.com as well as on Facebook by searching for W2M Network. And again, Jason has the W2M Chairman account there. Real quick, Kennedy, Dick of the Week. <laughs> oh, I was going to say myself, but I did good this time. Um, um, I don't know. I don't have an answer. <laughs> That's fine. Think about it for next time. Jason, standard answer? Standard answer. Every time it's the go-to answer, I always just say Robert Taylor. Very well. Eric, uh, go ahead. You gotta... <laughs> Eric, you got a spiel here, so go ahead. Oh, Mark Lamping, because he is still employed and needs to get the fuck out of town. As long as he's here, he is my permanent dick of the week. Oh, everybody in charge at ERCOT. They are my special dicks of the week for everything going on in Texas. All y'all down there, continue to stay warm, stay safe. You're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Everybody's looking out for you. And as a third dick of the week, you, sir, Mr. Harry Broadhurst. And damn it, you know exactly why. <laughs> I will you, you pulled a one. twofer on me this time, you some bit. <laughs> I will accept the responsibility for my DOTW position here. My actual DOTW, however, is Spectrum because fuck those guys. Jesus Christ, fix your internet, people. God damn. All right. For the debuting Kennedy Eddings, the unprofessional Jason Teasley, the anchorman Eric Watkins, I am the voice of reason. My name is Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnetwork.com. Or W2Mnet.com. No, it is W2Mnet. No, Eric, help me out here. W2Mnet, right? Yes, W2Mnet.com. Yeah, because it's W2M Network if you go through GetGrammarly.com in order to help fix your stuttering like I just dealt with. <laughs> or if you want to listen to us on Get Amazon Music, you can search for the W2M Network on your Alexa-enabled devices. In addition, we are also available on all of your favorite podcast listening services. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is here. But that's all, folks. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week here on The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.